Welcome to the Wake the F Up podcast with Alex and Jamie, where we talk about living consciously and helping people uncover their essential self so they can stop sleepwalking through life. On this podcast, we're having raw conversations about difficult topics. Our goal is to create a safe space where our guests can talk about real problems and issues and how they decided to wake the F up and become mindfulness experts through their own emotional healing journey. Welcome to Wake the F Up podcast. I'm your host, Alex, along with my co-host, Jamie. We are so excited to talk to our guest today about yoga, breathwork, art, and music. But I want to quickly mention that we may also touch on some triggering topics today like eating disorders, abusive relationships, and depression. If those topics are a trigger for you, you can always skip this episode or come back to it when you are ready. Our guest today is Callie Nielsen, yoga instructor, trauma release, transformational breathwork facilitator, singer-songwriter, and guided meditation teacher. Callie's goal through her work and life is to empower people to feel at home in their body, mind, and spirit while learning how to lean in to the strength of vulnerability. Welcome, Callie. We are so excited to have you. This is a very dear friend of Jamie and I's and our co-contributor to our retreats. And so you were really like our first guest that we wanted, and it's taken a minute to get us together. We're happy to have you. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I know I'm. I, it was my ADHD on full blast of trying to get myself on the schedule. I'm like, I'm like, this is going to be a perfect topic. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all in, in uh, co-conspirators on our ADHD paths, so that's yes. uh, that's something we can mm-hmm. discuss, of course. Mm-hmm. So, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and just kind of give them your background? That was a lot in the bio, so tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I'm 27. I live in New Orleans, and I moved here six months before COVID, which was perfectly timed. (laughs) And I'm from Minnesota, uh, born and raised. I went to school in Duluth, Minnesota. If anyone's um, familiar with that area, it's just, I, I grew up around nature. I grew up surrounded by water. I always joke that I'm such a water baby. And mm-hmm. just put me next to water, and I'm the happiest person that can be. Put my bare feet in nature. I am ecstatic. Like a lot of my journey is is reconnecting with those parts of me because that's where I feel most free. And life's been a roller coaster. I mean, for all of us, it, it's it, it's its own thing. But I don't know. Like I, I grew up having a really great childhood. My family always went camping and everyone's family always has their own things too. Um, I generally, as a kid, and this is a part of of myself that I'm really always trying to reconnect back to when I'm in stress, but I was like this creative, super happy kid. Like I would be the kid walking up to somebody at an airport who's giving their kid ice cream. I'm like, can I have some of that too? Like no boundaries, no, no nothing. I'm just moving with the wind, like whatever calls my name, let me, let me go there. Uh, Music was always a big part of my family. My dad is a singer songwriter and I've always looked to him as a huge source of inspiration. And I grew up drawing, creating, singing, writing in my room. My mom would walk in. (laughs) I would be cleaning my room, cleaning my room in quotes. And I was just like cutting clothes because I'm like, I'm going to make a design out of this. Mm -hmm. And and when I went to college, I, I majored in music and speech and language therapy. I thought about going to grad school for that. That was kind of in the beginning of 
my self-awareness journey was junior, senior year of college. And I'd always been a good kid, you know, and I got to this place where my friend was going uh, through this really, really traumatic breakup. And so I had her come over to my house every day because she was she was like the first person to really introduce me to yoga as more than just a physical activity. Her name is Mar, one of my best friends to this day. And I would just, we just made a promise to each other that we were going to do yoga in the park every single day together. And she's going to come over. We hung out afterwards. We made tea, but that was really the birthplace of, of my healing through yoga. Uh, I had actually just gotten out of a really, really toxic, abusive relationship uh, that had gone on for about three years right before that point. So it was perfect timing. And it allowed me the space to really feel and start. Like, I'm still, I, I don't think anyone is ever fully healed. I really believe that. And if we can be super gentle with ourselves, even in the times where we're being hard on ourselves and that negative voice is coming in, that's that's the work. That's the work is just showing up for yourself. So, mm-hmm. so doing that, I, um, I really leaned into my love for yoga and I didn't teach for probably another few years. I, I moved to New Orleans to do my teacher training. And mm-hmm. so that was my, that was my deep dive moment, which my yoga teacher training was in itself, just an experience that threw me for a loop. It wasn't what I expected, but I, I don't know. I see everything in my life as an opportunity to surrender, even if it's not the way you want it to go. Because most things in my life have not gone the way that I had planned them to, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. made it turn out the best that I could have ever imagined. Yeah. Amazing. Then, it's funny yeah. you said surrender. Uh, I went to class today and that was during our Shavasana. We had a whole Dharma on surrendering. And we recorded yesterday and talked about like, we think yeah. that maybe the wake up part, at least for Jamie and I, was like when we lost full control and had to surrender. And in that, we were broken open so wide that we were able to like, you know, really wake up and and see life from a different perspective of really a lack of control, <laughs> Yeah, which is interesting. Well, so we met um, Callie. Jamie actually found you, I think, right, Jamie? No. So we were in Metairie. Well, yes and no. Uh, we were in Metairie and I just started working with y'all and took over your Instagram and Callie Instagram messaged us. And I was like, this girl seems really cool. We really got to get her in. And <laughs> Jamie had a know, full we were- like stalker crush on you. Like, I know. I, actually, I, I know. can't even remember. It was months of her stalking you. Yeah, it took we- a while because <laughs> we had some pushback internally about adding anyone new. And I was like, I really think this is like, this is where we need to go. And then we moved to Uptown and that's when I finally, mm-hmm. I think, or was it Uptown when we first got you? Yeah. Cause it was funny. Cause I was looking for, I was like, I'm ready to teach in a studio. You know, like it had, I finished my teacher training during COVID and, uh, and that's where I was like doing my breathwork training and everything. Like a rebirth happened in COVID like it did for everybody. But I was like, I'm ready. And Grace was right next to my house, the one in Metairie. And so when you guys moved to Uptown, I'm like, Oh, so far away now, but I really want. The, but I really want to teach in a studio. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. I would have thought the opposite. I definitely would have thought you lived uptown, just because you seem to be an uptown kind of vibe. <laughs> but that's awesome. Yeah. So we stalked to her for quite some time, and then she came on board. And honestly, well, and as soon I feel as we met you. I mean, mm-hmm. remember her energy? Like as soon as you walked in, which I'm sure everyone, even just listening to you on here, they're gonna get your energy. But you're you definitely have like a some uh, aura about you. 
Oh, thank yeah. you. You're it so girl, sweet. it girl, or up. And the truth is, like, I struggle um, sometimes. Just in what we talked about before getting in the show, like authenticity in our work can be challenging because when we're doing self work, um, people may bring questions to the table about like, is that really? Are you really awake? Are you really? you know, doing the thing. And we all were just talking about like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to be awake? And what does it mean to have real problems and be a real human? And I think if you want to talk about that, like as a yoga teacher, breath worker, and someone who works with traumatic situations and people all the time, how do you handle sort of that authenticity in the Dharma, in the practice of life um, while being a real person who has, you know, problems and normal flaws? Yeah. I mean, that's been a journey of my realization that um, even though I'm a teacher and that I really get a lot out of guiding situations and and classes, we are all a work in progress. Like you're going to have days where you feel so good and you're like, oh, I can never be brought down from this mountain. And you're going to have days where you're like, why did I even think that I was capable of anything? (laughs) Like, should I just redirect my whole life? And So the biggest thing that has, I think, brought me to my center just time and time again is just minding the signals, like listening to the signals that your body gives you. And when you're ignoring those parts of yourself, like I think of it as um, I listened to this in a meditation once and it has always stuck with me, but it's the difference between the child and your inner sage. Like that part of you that's like, oh, you've been... Like it's time to get up. It's time to move your body. Or maybe you're scrolling and you're kind of in like a low swing. It's really hard to listen to those signals because there's more blocks. There's more insecurities. There's more negative talk that's going on. And so if I'm in that swing and this is something that I am teaching, I'm like, okay, this is your time to practice what you preach. And I'm not perfect. I will never say that I'm perfect. But I've gotten a lot better at reading my own body and my own patterns that it's made it a lot easier, I will say, to adapt as those changes happen. Because a lot of people seek out healing work or even therapy as a way to eliminate pain and eliminate the suffering. But we can't. It's always going to be there. So how do we adapt to be our most authentic selves in the day to day while things are changing always around us. Um, Yeah. So having boundaries is like a big part of that. Like boundaries is a huge part of how I stay within myself. Okay. We love boundaries. So tell me how do you like to set or how are you setting healthy boundaries for yourself? Like what do boundaries look like for you and how difficult has it been to create and keep them and maybe what the benefit of them are? Tell our listeners Um, because they need to know. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's been – like I used to be the person who was a chronic people pleaser. Like I celebrated the fact that I could chameleon into any situation. And maybe that's just my Gemini. Who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. But as I worked on myself and COVID was a, a huge catalyst for this because it gave me the time to be alone, to really say, oh, wow, you know, I, I like, I don't like this and I, and I don't really want to do this. And I would start listening to the signals that my body was giving me. Like if I, was hanging out with somebody or spending time with a group of people and there were things that were being said that I didn't agree with. And I would like have this physical sensation, almost like it, for me, it's in my chest and sometimes like in my belly where it's just like, it starts turning and I feel tight. I feel myself almost coming out of my body to 
go into that chameleon side and say what people want to hear or be the nice person. And the, the more, the more I would be the more or less, the more I stopped caring, (laughs) the less I cared, (laughs) the more I stopped caring, the less I cared about how people were perceiving me, the more space it gave me and the more confidence it gave me to, to speak up for myself and to also say, okay, not all conflict is bad. Like a lot of times growing up, and this was like a conditioning that I had growing up because my family, like, I mean, I I love my dad and our parents are our parents. He's not a very outwardly emotional person. And my my mom is a very sensitive being. Like we are both hypersensitive people. And I I grew up essentially like letting, like having her cry on my shoulder sometimes. And I didn't really feel like, even though I, I probably cried all the time growing up, but there was a lot of times where I felt like I, I, I couldn't say what I wanted to say because it was go to your room. You know? I swear we had so many similarities in our life. During the retreat, yeah. everything you said, I was like, I have never felt like I connected to someone as much as I did yeah. with you during the retreat. You two were sisters in a past life. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're both Gemini's too. <laughs> no, but- but I feel that too. I have a little bit of Gemini in my, uh, in my chart as well. But I, I feel like that people-pleasing part, I wanted to ask you, I mean, yes, we need to talk about the boundaries, but yeah, yeah. how did you – so I've, I'm working on that same thing. So not being what other people need me to be, not people-pleasing, not just like appeasing. Let's just say that too, like making everything easier for everyone by me malleating myself and my own needs to make it easier for the rest of the world. How, did you, how do you really believe that for you? Because like for me, I, I know that I don't need to do that anymore and I get the same bodily like connection, but I'm really struggling with that it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. And then like, well, there's still that deeper fear that I'm unlovable behind it for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you I worked on t- that and like gotten over it? <laughs> so, so I was hopeful you would say we could get better. Like it's going to go away. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it just becomes more manageable, right? Um, I think a lot of self-talk and reframing my self-talk therapy has helped with that so much. I, I love my therapist and I actually need to go back to her. I took a break to do, uh, work with a hypnotherapist. And so I like, there's been signals now in my life where I'm like, okay, it's time to go back. (laughs) And, um, it's reframing a lot of it for me of if, if I want to, take more time for myself or like say no more when other people want me to say yes, or they're expecting me to say yes. It's changing the mindset to, okay, this is me saying no is respecting myself. Like this is saying yes to myself. If I have a reaction that says, you know, I'd rather stay home versus go out, even if I haven't seen that person for a while. And it's this thing that we've planned. I think all the friends that I have in my life, we all have this kind of unsaid agreement that if you have a time where you feel like, okay, I just need to take space for myself and we can reschedule, no worries. I'm not going to think twice about that. And if somebody ever does push back against a boundary or like something that I, that I set for myself, that is a, um, uh, it's super important information for me to know about if I want to further continue that relationship. Because if somebody isn't respecting a boundary that I set, that means 
like I, I know we've talked about this before, like the people who get mad when you set a boundary benefit from you not having that boundary. Mm-hmm. And so it can be a control thing on there. And I'm not responsible for their reactions or their responses. I'm only responsible for listening to me because at the end of that night, I know that I'm happy that I, that I stayed home. And if I was out, I would have this feeling of like, wow, I really ignored myself. And I don't want to ignore myself. Like we spend so much time ignoring ourselves when we're growing up, ignoring the impulses, the thoughts that we have because they were socially conditioned to have those things be repressed. This is a time, this is an era to really fucking listen to yourself. Because who, why not? Why not? See what happens, right? (laughs) I mean, I feel like, you know, that's right. And my people pleasing was so intense that I, when I started to really get into boundaries, I kind of lost every friendship, familial relationships. It was, it was kind of traumatic. So I think I'm still mm-hmm. rebounding. Like I'm still setting boundaries hard, but I, I think for me, the hardest part is I haven't necessarily found other than like you two really in a, maybe a small handful of people, a group where I can be my full self or trust that I can yeah. be my full self. Like you, you know, where we know the boundaries, whatever we decide is okay. So it's interesting because yeah. it can be really painful when, and I must've been very, obviously I was very codependent, but the losses in those relationships, you're like, then you're like, did they ever even really love me or did they yeah. love what I, what I brought to the table yeah. subconsciously for them? You know, that's scary. Yeah. Family but- ones are the hardest, I think. Like setting boundaries with my family was way harder than setting boundaries with my with my friends. I feel like my friends, like I, I, have, I have a great talent now for choosing great people to surround myself with because I used to have such – I mean, I think everyone has, goes through having toxic relationships in college and, and through high school. Like yeah. you have to almost like flush out your system so that you're like, I don't want that. Yeah. And again, like most of my life is I don't want that. Therefore, I know now what I do want and what I do need. When I've been setting boundaries with my family, a lot of the times like there's jokes made. Because I am usually the butt of the jokes in my family. And I am a sensitive, I'm strong, but sensitive soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> I remember when I, you're right, you can be both. And it was, it was like a challenge for me to really embrace speaking up for myself when I knew that there would be a joke made at me, like while I'm present. And mm-hmm. I remember one time we were on a vacation and they, we were we were leaving the Airbnb. I was taking the trash out because I wanted to be helpful. And they're like, "Okay, take it to the trash can on the side of the house, and or like behind, like by the fence." So I like go up the stairs. I'm taking it out. It's like 6:30 a.m. because we were leaving early, and I couldn't find it. So I walk around the house. I do it like two or three times because in my head I'm like, I don't want to admit that I don't see this fucking trash can. <laughs> and and so I go down and I'm like, I don't see it anymore. They're like, well, did you go through the back fence, through the door of the back of the yard on the outside of the fence where it is? And I'm like, how would I have known that? And they're like, oh, okay. Like they made a joke about it. I felt myself get triggered. And a lot of this work is literally just like feeling your trigger as it comes. And then instead of acting on it, I'm like, I'm going to take like five minutes for myself. Because anything that I say right now is just going to seem defensive. And that's not like how I need to stand up for myself. So I went, took the trash out, I came back. And a lot of the times in the past, anytime that I was setting 
a boundary like that or like speaking up for myself, I would cry. Mm-hmm. And and I and I never really wanted to cry because I I had this sub- subconscious belief that that would lessen the impact of that boundary because like, oh she's just being emotional, you know. I didn't So many women can click oh, with this. I so think a lot of women can say that. Like why can't you cry? Oh. I I had an I had my ex, my um my toxic ex, uh, what, like he would, he would say, Oh, are you going to cry about it? Mm-hmm. And like, how do you, how do you learn to speak your mind when you're so focused on people only pointing out that feature either, either way? So I like went downstairs and I was like, it did not make me feel good. How you said this. Like, I don't like feeling like you're going to make jokes at me. If I ask a question, that shouldn't be something that is always like made fun of. And it doesn't make me feel good. And I walked away. And even in that, and my mom is a person who is like in the beginning of setting boundaries for herself. But at that point in time, she's like, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to like make you, I would never want you to feel this way. I know you're working on your boundaries. <laughs> and, she this, and I just remember being like, this is part of it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there is that refractory period after the boundary's been set where you're like, and, and I, maybe I'm the only one that feels this, but I know Jamie does because she just had, we just did a whole boundary podcast with her having a moment at work where you're kind of like in panic attack mode where you're like, is everyone going to lose it? Because I said, or like, what's the reaction that's going to come from me taking care of myself? Or that might just be me, but I'm like, ah. the more I do it, the better I get where I'm like, I feel yeah. confident in putting this boundary down now, but it was a work. Well- I mean, one of the first things, and Alex, I think you'll remember this. The first thing that we picked up on about Callie was, and I remember we loved this. We were like, she is so boundaried. Because as soon as we reached out to you about working with us, you were like, I can, but I can only do this, this, and that. And this isn't really a good time for me to take on this project. So I'm going to have to wait. And I was like, I was like, I love this woman. (laughs) Because that's what I want to hear. Like, tell me the truth. Because especially how Alex and I are, like, or yeah. anyone who's worked with me. I, I had like a whole me. life plan for her. Remember? I was like, show me this and this. And I was like, exactly. I was still like working on getting out of my codependency. I'm like, why am I telling everyone who they're supposed to be? Like, please shut the hell up. I'm the type of person who's like, I want to know what you want. And I want yeah. to find how it works with us. And like, let's, yeah. let's all empower each other. And like, mm-hmm. let's make something big about it. But like, mm-hmm. I only want you to do what you want to do. Because I yeah. know if it's what you want to do, you're going to be really good at it. And it's the yeah. stuff that you don't want to do that's going to suck and it's going to bring everything down. So, like, I've always – and I think people who work with me pick that up that, like, I just want to hone in on what's, what's your favorite thing and let's do it. And yeah. so I love that right off the bat. I remember you sending me a whole text message about it. And I was like, this is amazing. I've never met anyone who's <laughs> just, like, put it out there like that. So even it's what great. you said – even what you said there, you know, like this is, that's even more of an affirmation why we have to set boundaries for ourselves. And it's, it's, it is, you don't even have to think of it as a boundary. It's like, this is just being truthful to who you are and what you can take on. It's, yeah. it's honesty. And if you can't be honest with yourself, you're not gonna be able to be honest with other people. Even if like, we, we have this shame around not being able to do everything. We're not meant to mm-hmm. do everything. Like some, even right now, like I'm like revisiting some of those things because I'm like, did I put too much on my plate? I think I might have. <laughs> well, how do we how do we like backtrack a little bit? I know. You know, I'm having the same. I kind of feel like I'm in a spiral currently in my life, which I'm like hilariously. We're here in this podcast being like, how are you waking up? And I'm like behind the, the camera and microphone. I'm like spiraling in these changes of 
over overproducing probably or overworking was has been probably my last decade. And I'm watching my husband open his business and I'm consulting with him and like helping him, but I'm I'm I have I'm making and have boundaried so much to make space and say no so that I can feel and work on healing and be authentic. But I'm also like missing sort of that over productivity or like the mm-hmm. I think maybe the validation I get from like seeing people change and heal and like and that comes with like working them in multiple, multiple sessions a week, but it it takes me out of me. Does that make sense? And like 100%. it's a challenge. it's a challenge to find the balance between the two. So yeah. I'm wondering, like, tell me, tell the listeners a little bit about your work. Cause yes, you're a yoga instructor, an amazing yoga instructor, but I have found my most connected place with you is in your breath work, which literally I was like kind of petrified to do it. And then we had you house it at the retreat. And that was my first time doing it, which was kind of probably a bad idea since I had a full meltdown in the middle of it. And it like unglued Jamie and I were holding like fetal children. (laughs) We were in the fetal position sobbing, but it was the most powerful thing I think I have done maybe ever Mm. in a way that took me out of my head and into my path. I don't even know. There were so many things that happened in that session. I was like blown away with your work. It yeah. was so powerful. So explain to the listeners a little bit about breathwork and, and you know, adaptive yoga training and all the things that you have been doing. Yeah. I mean, breathwork is like such a baby to me because it's, it's really, it's really saved me in so many ways. And I remember the first time that I did it and the first few times that I did it years ago and I wrote in my journal and I have it somewhere. I was trying to find it for this podcast. I'm like, I have no idea where this is. Like I should have bookmarked it. (laughs) But I remember after the first like really impactful experience that I had in breathwork, I was writing about how I need to teach this someday. Like I need to offer this to the people because I don't know how I went this long in my life without having it. And it's been such like an amazing tool to have in my toolbox. And I always joke that Albert says that I just like to make people cry, <laughs> which is true. I feel like we all need to release and we don't cry enough. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I am crying like at least three to five times a week, maybe more. <laughs> almost yeah, every, like, almost every day. <laughs> yeah. Like even if I'm ha- if I'm happy, it's tears. If I'm sad, it's tears. If I'm frustrated, it's tears. If I'm mad, it's tears. And like, well, you know, I guess that's like, cause it's the primary emotion. Like ang- even anger is like just based out of sadness, but yeah, breathwork, breathwork has been such a monumental tool. Um, and I love seeing how it affects the clients that I've worked with. And especially at the retreat, that was my first group session and it was so impactful. And I, I talk about feeling purposeful in that and mm-hmm. feeling needed, like, there's so much value in that. And every single person, no matter what they're going through, can find something in breathwork because it's you guiding yourself. Like I just, I'm just a bumper if we're, if we're on the breathwork bowling alley, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you take, you take yourself, mm-hmm. I'll give prompts. I like to poke the bear a bit. I do. I will admit that. I, I like to ask the hard questions that I feel like I can't ask in just a regular <laughs> conversation unless we're having like a one-on-one conversation. But breathwork is so powerful because you don't have to have a verbal answer. A lot of the things that we experience and that we feel are stored in the body. And language 
why do we think that language is a great way to release or express deep pain? Like a lot of the times we can't put words to those feelings. And if we do, we're just doing a disservice to ourselves. So you Mm -hmm. have to go into your body and find what's stored in the unconscious mind. Like all of the things that are repressed, all of the, the things socially or through your parents that have said, oh, don't say that, don't act that way, don't do that. That's still in you, but it's in your unconscious. And that's how we end up projecting onto other people, onto the world. So I, I, I think about how repressed emotions, like the longer we live with them, the longer we sit with them, the more we identify them in our personalities, the more it blocks your energy flow you want to be authentic, you got to work on your shadow work. I know in the podcast, you, were, you guys were talking about shadow work um, a couple times ago. And it is it is illuminating your defense mechanisms. And this is why working with the breath is so powerful because you go beyond where you normally hold yourself. You're working outside of that normal box of CO2 and oxygen. You're going into a place where like in your limbic system, it's in charge of where all of your 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 emotions, your repressed memories, and that's a place that we need to tap into. And if you're ignoring it, it doesn't go away. Surprise! I think we all know that. Like it's not going anywhere. You can you can numb, you can set it to the side, but it's still going to be there. Um. So, how I see it is, it's embracing your full self. It's creating a space that is safe to embrace your full self and give so space to cry. in the breath workshop that, that she taught on our retreat, and I, I'm just going to ask you a few questions like from, I guess, the teacher's perspective. Uh, we were, Jamie and I were the students in that setting. And um, would you say, I came home and tried to explain it to my physician husband and he's like, so she put you in a hypoxic state? <laughs> I was like, I didn't feel hypoxic. I didn't feel as though I wasn't. But then I was like, you know, maybe because there was so much exhale, exhale, exhale um, and short inhales, I, I was like, you know, actually, I don't know. It, um, what's the science behind it? Like, I don't, I'm, I'm actually like, I know you were getting into the limbic system, but maybe you could just share to the listeners, like walk us through like what it's like to go into your breath workshop because they're getting more popular. I'm seeing it like all over the place now. Well, yeah, there, it's definitely like the next wave, I think. Mm-hmm. Um well, there's so many different variations of breathwork, first of all. Like we have holotropic breath, there's shamanic breath, rebirthing, pranayama, which is what we see in yoga. And that's one of the places where it originated too. So whatever you're doing, like there's ways of energizing and there's ways of relaxing. And so the breathwork that I teach is mainly focused on the energizing side of that because it will feel like, <laughs> like I tell people sometimes that after you've gotten done with the breathwork session, it's going to feel like you played a game of soccer. Like you are, you're breathing hard, your heart rate is up. And a lot of the times it can induce different states that your body can only relate to panic. Because mm-hmm. when you're like, <sighs> when you're breathing in that way, if you've never done breathwork before, it's going to feel like a panic attack. And sometimes like I'll tell people that sometimes while you're in a session, that is a possible avenue of you going into that place, but remembering that this is the perfect place to do that because you are supported, you are safe. You can work through those blocks that you have without feeling like you are affected by the people around you or the environment. So it 
mainly came from Eastern breathwork practices and techniques. And then as it came like through the 1970s, 1960s, during like the self-awareness era, um, a man named Dr. Groff, he was doing psychotherapy with LSD and working on releasing trauma that way. And then it became illegal. So he sought out other ways to bring about that same state. So, you know, people who have done psychedelics before, it kind of feels like you're on a trip. I definitely (laughs) was having visions, 100%. I was going to say, it's so funny you say that because, so I know you're earlier, you're saying how you cry like five or six times a week and I don't cry like ever. Mm -hmm. And I think the retreat Mm -hmm. might've been the last time that I cried, like really cried. And during that state, it was definitely getting my body back into that panic state that it was in all those months ago with Sloan. But it Mm -hmm. took me getting like physically back into that state for me to be able to release. And even when doing that, I think that's why it felt so good. And that's why I think after I told you, I was like, I need this again. (laughs) I need to do more of this because I got to get this. I got to get it out of my body because it finally, it was almost like it rose up and it was like right there about to come out. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't get to like finish it because it, I sound like I'm like saying an orgasm or something. <laughs> it was so Wait. close. <laughs> Amazing, Jamie. But, <laughs> but even it's funny that you say that because I say that when I'm explaining breathwork to people and I'm like, there is a range of emotions and feelings and sensations that could come out of that. One end of the, one end of the spectrum can be physical pain. Like we're holding so many things in our muscles, like the amount of times we're not just letting ourselves relax. We're always having our shoulders tense. Mm. Our, like a lot of women, especially like we hold our bellies in and all of those things manifest as tension and pain. The other side of the spectrum can be having full body orgasms, which how beautiful. Take your breathing practice Man. into the bedroom, <laughs> please. Amen. If that's anything, there's there's your homework. There's your homework. <laughs> Remember one of the guests was like, I felt like I was having an orgasm. And I was like, well, we were like hysterical and having like – I know. (laughs) She was like, I was covered in sweat. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I have some work to do. I'd like to get to the orgasm side of the spectrum. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But no, it's just – it's funny you say that because I'm struggling so hard to get that release. And it was only with the breath work that I – it was like scary because I went to panic mode, but it was good. Like I wanted more of it because I wanted – it was almost like an easy way of getting out of this. Like, okay, I don't have to be hysterical and cry for five months. I can just do yeah, this yeah. breathwork session and release some of it. But now that I'm doing the EMDR therapy, that's been the only other time that I've started to like kind of, I don't know, because we do practice breathing. I don't explain it, but with your breathwork session, I was getting there and then it was like my body still controlling it a little. Like, I don't know if it's because mm-hmm. it took me so long but my body's still automatically kind of shutting me down. But I felt it so strongly that it like identified the cause, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, well, we were also in a leadership role. So like I did yeah. feel the same. Like I, I was thinking when you were talking, Cal, like it was so powerful. So I was running this retreat uh, content wise and, and Cal was assisting me with a lot of different things. The same with Jamie. But like – going into that, I was a little bit nervous because I was like, oh, if I come unglued, like, <laughs> I, I don't know why looking back, like who gives a shit if I come unglued? Like the whole point of the retreat was to like wake up and come unglued a little bit. But I did like have so many like restrictions on myself or like I was like trying to resist like letting my full self get in there. And it was still so powerful. I was still hysterical. I saw so many flashbacks of trauma moments within hospital. 
And like, not just that, like, hello, I'm wearing Crystalline Oakland's bracelet that I sealed my intention with. Hey, I love it. It's like a sisterhood, our bracelet. <laughs> and if anyone doesn't know Crystalline Oakland, she does this amazing jewelry line. Um, she's a widow, my mentor widow, widow out there. I'm obsessed with her. And she does this intention setting bracelet fire. She fires it on, solders it. And so it's like a permanent <laughs> bracelet and she makes you set an intention for your life. And my intention was that I was going to spend more time with my family. I was going to go to the process of selling grace and releasing this like baby of mine that I created with my first husband to like be free of this overworking and people pleasing and a lot of the things that I've been doing. And I, that whole vision happened for me in that breath work. Like it, Mm. I was clear as fucking day. My inner voice was telling me it is time to let go. And I was like pictures of my children and like how much they needed me and how much I needed them really. And I needed to let go of this. So the parenting that was kind of taken from me in cancer and it, I was hysterical. I mean, Jamie, can't remember. I'm sure you remember. Um, you came over a few times. We're like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> but it was so clear. And I, you know, one cool thing about being an empath is I really do try to listen to my inner inner true voice, the true essence of who I am. And I was like, you know what? I told Harmony that night. I was like, I'm going to sell grace. And she was like, what the F? I know. And I, did, <laughs> I think it like broke her. She was like, what? You know, because she was running the company <laughs> and now buying it. But I was like, yep, I, I have to sell Grace. Like it's it's clear to me. Yeah. And I, you like sat up and you told me that. And I was like, okay. Amy <laughs> 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 was so supportive. Like she always is. I was like, and you know what? The cool thing is, is like, I need more of that for sure. And I think the world should know that like, you're right. It was subconscious parts of me that came out. Truths that I felt like, and I think that that can happen with – some people say that can happen with like LSD states or certain states where you're – you get out of this like monkey mind, yeah. cognitive mind that yeah. limits us. I mean, yeah, you're, you're connecting between different neural networks beyond the brainstem that are attention, body awareness. And especially the biggest thing with breathwork that I, that I talk about <laughs> that I didn't talk about yet, but you're, it, it helps to reorganize your relationship and your response to stress. So if you can work on, like, let me back up. If, if you have a higher CO2 tolerance, which breathwork gives you because you're taking, in, you're taking in more, it's moving fast, your tolerance becomes higher. When you're in a stress response, a lot of the times, like, your breathing is, is more paced, you're, breathing, you're, you're, you're holding yourself tightly. Like, it's a lot of the same things that we feel in breathwork. And so if you're reconditioning yourself to be like, okay, I'm safe here. I'm okay here. I can re-regulate. Like this is temporary. You come down a lot easier. Like a lot of times in our normal life, like you get stressed and it kind of like stays for a bit and it kind of affects the rest of your day. If you increase your CO2 tolerance, you can have those moments of stress and regulate a lot faster. And so it really does, it really does just, even having a five minute practice can do so much. So I'm that's all about that's this. So freaking interesting. Yeah, I love that because I'm the person that like will shoot up all of a sudden throughout my day, as we'll learn on the episode of um, our podcast <laughs> that we filmed mm-hmm. last week. But so, okay, is that because on the app, I know you created one of our um, breathwork sessions is a five minute box breathing. Is that mm-hmm. what you're talking about doing? So, like, when we have these moments of like, you know, if I get a, an email through work and it's like super triggering for me and I like shoot up, heart rate speeds up, I start sweating, mm-hmm. you know, then do, is that when you would pull out the app and do the box breathing or is there a different type of breath work that you would suggest people learn more about? 
Um, I would say especially, well, I'm going to make more for the app too, just so then there's something for everything because you're the only one who knows what you need. But exploring how they make your body feel so that when the time comes, you're like, oh, I, I need to like release something, then do something that's more energizing. If you need to calm down, do something that is more mm-hmm. calming. But it's not like this one practice that will like fix everything. Like, no, and we lot- are ever ever evolving, right? So this uh-huh. is somatics, and this is what I've been telling Jamie. Like, we're gen- I'm gently trying to tell her, like, and her therapist is already telling her this. Like, <laughs> I've been doing therapy forever, and your breath workshop. Now, I didn't know this, but it got me into my body in a way that I've never connected with my body. And I Pilates mm-hmm. did the same thing for me, like deep awareness of where I was in space. It like helped my mind so fucking much. But now that I started studying somatics at the level that I am, I'm like, my head is like blown off at how simple it is to just, all you have to do is pay attention and see like what activates me and what tools do I build to build a resiliency routine to bring myself down when I get, when I, cause you're inevitably going to get activated. There's, we're not, like she's saying, suffering will never go away. It's how we respond to it. And what do we do to build our day so that we can take time to like bring it back down? But yeah. that's all breath and body work, really, like being in the moment to feel it out. Yeah. Well, okay. Noting that we need to put the title for this podcast, Suffering Will Never Go Away. <laughs> that is, that's a strong statement, but it's so true. It's very Buddhist, or, or, though. Or Buddha like, literally told everyone that. Yeah. Life is suffering, and it's yeah. kind of true. Living alongside suffering, even. That's but, right. But that's the other – yeah, like you said, like body awareness in, in breath work. I, I've worked with a lot of people who have – um, sexual trauma and dissociate from their bodies a lot. Honestly, it's like a lot of the people that I've worked with have had those same, like in the same vein. And I mean, I, I also have my experiences where dissociating and not really feeling things as fully and not experiencing pleasure in a way, like this is a practice that lets you reconnect with your own pleasure, like something that you can do with yourself or with a partner, but like mainly with yourself. (laughs) But a lot of the times when we're breathing in those more intense ways, you'll start getting tingles through your body through your body, and it'll start in your fingertips. And then it's kind of like an involuntary muscle spasm, the more that you breathe. And if it's, especially if it's like a little out of rhythm, then this is more likely to happen, but you can start kind of curling in, in my head. I just tell myself that this is where I'm holding tension. And it's another, it's another invitation to surrender to just whatever it is that your body needs because it is out of your control. I'm not controlling the tingling in my body. I'm not controlling like what's happening, but I'm safe and I can remind myself that I can experience something in my body that is outside of myself, but it's still within my own vessel. And that's been really powerful for, for people to like reconnect with themselves in that way. Did you disassociate a lot? I know you had said and mentioned that you were in an abusive relationship. I've noticed in the podcast that we've done in just with a lot of different people. So I've found that with clients that, that I do, if they've come from an alcoholic home, mm-hmm. they tend to dissociate with themselves and like don't remember anything. And then abuse in the home or in the relationships. Um, I'm wondering, like, was that a thing that happened to you after you were in sort of a toxic relationship you were talking about? Oh, 100%. I feel like that was that was like the main – trigger for all of it. Um, I was with a partner that was extremely manipulative and very, how would I say, like very much had an opinion on the way that I looked, the way that I presented myself. And 
and was always one way on the outside to other people and then another way to me. But I didn't really have, I don't even know if my mom's going to listen to this, but I feel like this is, <laughs> there's, this al- be hard. there's always a risk. <laughs> we always take a risk. Jamie and I are like, who's listening? Uh-huh. But I, I didn't really have, like my parents had a good relationship. They have a good relationship, but it's, I would say it's more like friends who don't really ask for what they need. <laughs> yeah, that's and, common as hell. And, 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 you know, again, like I, uh, my mom would be leaning on my shoulder a lot of the times. And, and so I didn't really have a view of what a healthy, romantic, like uplifting, I would say, an empowering relationship looked like. And I attracted somebody that I felt like I was walking on eggshells with. And I got used to that. And I could, again, chameleon myself into being a certain way, being whatever it needed to be. But a lot of times, especially like during um, like during sex and during other things like that, I would dissociate because I felt like none of it was my choice. And mm-hmm. there was like abusive moments in that, um, a lot of like verbal things that were just toxic and I didn't know how to stand up for myself. And so in, in typical Cali fashion at that time, I would just brush it off and be like, that's okay. Like I can adapt and I can be okay because if I'm okay in myself, then that's something that I can control. Cause I felt like everything else was so out of my control, but I forgot where I was going with that, but yeah. That was very clear. And I think, um, really important because I think, I don't know, I guess I'm having a week where I'm feeling like, you know, when you like heal and you work on yourself and you're like, I'm doing amazing. And you kind of feel centered in like your healing, like your, the benefits from all of the healthy practices that you're trying to accomplish. And then you might have some hiccup or some bump where like, again, I'm activated or my, you know, like I'm getting into that sympathetic response where I feel like something triggered me and I'm not okay. And then like kind of everything's not okay. <laughs> and it might actually be my period. I'm not sure. You never know. Like, <laughs> like that time of the week where you're like, everything's going to make me feel unglued. Yeah. But it's weird when you're in that space. It's like, I want to make sure that the listeners know that like healing doesn't mean that you have it all perfectly done, mm-hmm. that you've got it all right. And that we're not suffering as you said, but it's really healing is about being aware. And yeah. it doesn't mean that you'll always know what to do, how to do it, um, I love that we share resources, the three of us a lot. Like we're all just on a journey and it, it's definitely, as I've always said, it's like, it's not linear, you know, but mm-hmm. having a toxic relationship can happen to anyone. But I think once you know, you don't unknow and hopefully you can learn to like take the next step to do a different thing. So yeah. I don't know. I was thinking about you, um, you know, just talking about sort of like, what are the ways in your life that when you when you learn something, when you hit another roadblock or another activation state where you get back triggered, what are the protective measures or what are the resiliency things that you're doing to kind of take a pause to not be reactive or like get back in the negative headspace, which is what I'm kind of working on right now? Yeah. Honestly, just taking a step back a lot of the times because I, I can be really impulsive and just like want to cry and want to say everything. And then I, which is fine too. Like, all, all ways of reacting to a trigger are okay because the only thing that matters <clears throat> is how you come back to yourself. And if that's coming back to a person saying, I'm sorry for how I said this, 
this is how I was feeling X, Y, Z. Honestly, it's just letting myself be seen Mm -hmm. while I'm in processing states. That's really Mm -hmm. hard for me. It's always been hard for me. I really want to, I think this is also like part of being the butt of the jokes growing up is I want to know everything about what I'm going to say. I want to have all of my T's crossed and my I's dotted before I show anyone anything because I don't want to be, I don't want anyone to have anything to say about it. But that's not life. And also that's not if you're surrounding yourself with good people and healthy people who are also working on themselves, allowing yourself to be seen in the in-between stages is one of the most healing things that I think could ever happen because then you just feel supported. You're like, oh, wow, I'm not just going to be like, like made fun of here. Like I'm actually, I'm actually just going to be accepted. It's the, it's the whole thing. Like I want, I want to be loved. And, Mm -hmm. and if somebody had like criticism or something, I would be like, okay, like I did something wrong. I'm wrong. And it's not true. It's not true at all. Yeah. One being lovable, right? Like I'm working on this too, that I'm worthy of being lovable even when things aren't right and I'm not right Mm -hmm. and I'm not doing well. Like that's, I think must've been a value in my home, which is a struggle where you're like, I have to know it all, be it all, do it all. And, and then that's my value. And Mm -hmm. and I think this all goes back to the boundaries too, though. Cause if you're setting your boundaries and you're putting those right people in your life and you're Mm -hmm. taking away the people who aren't right for you. So it kind of goes hand in there. That's so true. And honestly, Mm -hmm. like I have so little friends at this point, but I feel way more supported with the friends that I do have, right? So it's like Mm -hmm. I don't want to make choices of friendships anymore to get hurt or, you know, try to control or push or pull. I want to just be. And that's – it's been really powerful. The friendships I do have, like I feel like I feel really blessed with, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's a lesson I learned a long time ago, I would say. Like Mm -hmm. growing up with girls being so mean in my past, you know, college and high school was really hard because I did want all the friends. I wanted wanted to have a friend to hang out with every single night of the week. I wanted to be busy. I wanted to be invited to all the parties and I wanted everyone to like me. And it's just, that's not real. And I came to find out because as I became more aware of everything and I could see that I wasn't aligning with all these other people and their values. And I was like, of course we don't get along. We don't agree on things. Like this isn't, you're going one way with your life. I'm going this way with my life. Of course we wouldn't get along. And so my friends dwindled pretty quickly at that point. And I'm okay with it. I mean, I have a very small friend group and I, I can always remember my uncle when I was growing up. I just remember one night at dinner, like a family dinner. And he was like, you know, I can count on one hand my friends and that's and I on my other hand I can count my family and that's all mm-hmm. I need in life because it's the people that I really want to be invested in and the people who really want to be invested with me and I just that always clicked for me and I still feel that way everyone that I'm friends with now it's I want to make time for them and they want to make time for me mm-hmm. it's not forced it's we don't have to you know dance around the truth with each other like it's just it is what it is and I'm perfectly okay with having just that handful of friends that's all I need. They they yeah. fulfill me. Yeah. And it's like learning that when you have the right people, you can ask for what you need and it's not too much, that you're never mm-hmm. actually too much. Because <clears throat> if you feel t- like you're too much for somebody, they're not your person. Exactly. Like well, I fight for people who are not going to choose you just as much as you choose 
them or yourself. Yep. Yeah, that's powerful. Okay, so this episode with you has been absolutely amazing. And I want us to wrap because I want to start another episode with you. <laughs> I want to go through <laughs> your wake up moments and go a little bit more into our um, our wake criteria, you could say. But um, yeah, so everybody, please follow Callie on Instagram. It's Callie Sky with an E. Look her up. She's also doing um, your other Instagram, isn't it? Vessel Healing. Yeah. I just so started. I just started one for that. Yeah. So. Well, I don't have much on there yet. I just started that. <laughs> well, you okay. got like three weeks before this, this episode. Oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. <laughs> we'll have a couple more on there. I'll like make sure to put. Have you seen? The on. app is also still a work in progress. It is. It is yeah. ever changing. But I would say that if anyone is interested in learning about breath work or being with a true. I don't even know what to say. The word, like, I do feel like I don't love the words like sage or any of those words, but I really do feel like there is a there is a guru energy within you. Like, there's just something 100%. drawn that I, I've been drawn to, and I and I'm always kind of speculative skeptical. of that kind of stuff. I'm You're skeptical. skeptical. <laughs> I don't know what word I'm saying, but you know what I mean. I'm like, mm, I don't know, mm-hmm. and I've been hurt really bad in the yoga world. I'll just say that. I know. And um, you know that it makes me question like authenticity and truth of what we're saying on the outside and what we're doing on the inside. And I think we all struggle yeah. with that, myself included. But you are, in my mind, really a true healer. And I hope the world gets to experience you in all the ways possible, whether that's vessel or wake or podcast or singing. We haven't even talked about all of I know. So many talents. I like right. talk yeah. about being a little bit of everything. I Amazing. Just, I, just, I just love you guys so much. And I and know. I think that's I think that's the thing is like being able to like say thank you to something like that is something that I would have never let myself do before because I always thought that oh I had to be perfect to be at that place. And you don't have to be. It's like I feel more in alignment to to that now that I am letting myself be seen for like the things that myself like everyone else is going through but it's just the honesty it's like I'm I've I'm I've gone through all my shit to be able to be honest with myself so that I can be honest with other people and that's that's it that's it that's a whole nother podcast it's so awesome speaking of another podcast (laughs) pause we'll we'll coming back this has been the wake the f up podcast with Alex and Jamie a podcast about normalizing and overcoming challenges like grief and fear. Be sure to check out our other episodes where our community of experts share tools and ideas to help you wake to the life inside of you. If you enjoyed this episode of Wake the F Up, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And join the Wake community by downloading our app. Just search for Wake Wellness in the Apple or Android app store. And follow us on Instagram at The Wake Wellness. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Caroline Pickens and the team at Fresh Picked Studio. For more information, go to freshpickedstudio.com.